The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. I want to welcome you back uh, to church here. If you're uh, if you're an ongoing um, neighborhood churcher, and if you're visiting with us, um, we're glad you're checking out our church. And if you have any questions about our church, feel free to um, talk to any of those folks that seemed very happy to talk to 15 other people a second ago. They're probably regular, and they'll let you know, or you come see me. Um, heard the coffee's good today, so. That's excellent. I wanted to begin today just by saying thank you to everyone who came out yesterday to our serve day. Um, I think we have a picture up here. Um, As you guys came in, uh, it might have just looked normal to you if you're visiting here, but if you've been coming throughout the summer, um, where the mulch was, it used to be um, grass, you know, so um, a bunch of folks were out here yesterday working on the front flower beds, and also the school has a courtyard that we've been begging that they would remove. The, there's a big, there was a fence in there, kind of looked like a little prison, you know, so we thought, hey, if that wasn't there, uh, maybe the kids would use that space, so we spent a bunch of time out there, too, so um, we just want a, a space for kids that would love learning, and we want to love our neighborhood well, and, and one way we could do that is uh, these, these serve days, so as we do things like this and you hear about them, uh, we just invite you to come out and join us and, and, and uh, serve along uh, with friends here at, at, at the um, at Neighborhood Church. I want to begin today with a word of prayer as we normally do. Um, we believe God's Word is uh, the most essential book uh, that we have on this earth. It's, it's God's story of reaching down and pursuing man. And as we study it, we see it as that. We see it as this, this, this um, eternal, this, this holy book that, of course, God used mankind to write the words and, and kind of their journeys, but we believe the Holy Spirit wrote it, and when we read it, we see it as truth. So my prayer, my hope is this morning, as we study God's word, that that truth would uh, impact your heart and you would fall more in love with Jesus. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit would do that for all of us. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your life that's been recorded in your word. And as we study your word, Father, we ask in the same way that as uh, parents in the room speak to their kids and, and hope that they catch on to right living, that even beyond that, you are God, our Father, who knows perfectly that we would see these words and these stories and this history as guides for us, that this earthly life can be better knowing that the God who created us has also given us ways to live and ways to think. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Have you ever been somewhere um, so beautiful while you were there, you started to think, I might want to live here, right? Most Kansans don't vacation in Kansas. I mean, I am aware of this, right? And to go to a place that's more beautiful than Kansas, isn't that hard, you know? I mean, we got really nice fields of sunflowers, you know, we got some Flint Hills. Um, But I will say that as we travel, many of us, you know, down south to the coast or out east or west to the coast or Colorado, maybe some of you guys already visited Colorado this summer, you're there and you're kind of like, 
why don't I live here? Because there's like houses and cars and governments and post offices and jobs. You know, there's, but you don't, right? You don't live there. And even while we're there, sometimes, say you're with somebody or with your spouse, you start thinking through, let's, uh, let's check that house, that MLS. Let's see, let's see what the house is worth and see what the possibilities are. Let's just do some job Craigslist. Let's just see what jobs are available on Craigslist even, right? And you start processing what that would look like. But maybe like me, you realize that there's these beautiful places on the planet. But you realize Kansas is your home. And why is it your home? Well, it's where your friends are. For many of us, or many of you, it's maybe where your families are. It's, it's where your job is. It's where you know the brokenness and God's using you to help. And for some, it's where your church is. My hope is, is that as we recognize this and we go on vacations to relax and revive and, and get our heads kind of organized for the year, that we always come home. And we come home because we know God's got a plan for us. We don't raise our children well on vacation. <laughs> we don't give them the, we don't give them the, the teachable moments that we do maybe at home because you don't want to waste that day or waste that week. You spend a lot more money than you normally do from day to day. Those aren't good patterns. But when we come home, we see the joy of living at home. But there is an enjoyment of going to those mountains and going to those sunsets on the beach. And today we're going to look at a time where Jesus took three of his disciples up on a mountain and revealed his glory to them. So let's look at Matthew 17, chapter 17, verse 1. We've been looking through Matthew for about a year and a half now. We're walking verse by verse through this letter where Matthew is telling his account of the life of Jesus. And this is um, on page 822 in those black hard-covered Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, that Bible is a gift for you. Or if you know somebody who doesn't have a Bible, please take that Bible and give that to somebody. This part's called the Transfiguration in the ESV. 17.1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother. And he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, 
Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but did, do, did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man was, will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood what he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So before we dig into this passage, let's look at the context. It's always good to kind of see, uh, observe what's been going on in the story so far. So just in the last chapter 16, a couple weeks ago we talked about Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? Who do other people say that I am? And Peter replies, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then a few verses later, Jesus shares with his disciples that he's going to be killed and raised from the dead in three days. So that first part, maybe who Jesus is. He's the Christ, the Messiah. The second part, what he will do. And a few verses later in chapter 16, 16, 24, we studied this last week. If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. And then you'll be rewarded. So then Jesus moves to what the disciples are to do. So he starts with himself, who he is, moves to what he will do. Then he goes into the disciples' identity. Followers of Christ who take up their cross. And then Jesus ends that section with, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, it's a pretty complicated passage here, this, this, this verse right before 17.1. But a common way to read that is the transfiguration. A few of them are going to see Jesus in his glory. So let's put this picture together this morning. 17.1, he starts out with, after six days... Why is this in here? Why is this in this account? And as we've been reading through Matthew, this doesn't show up very much, this kind of just rando day thing. Normally, Jesus is in a place, and he's at a place for a reason. He's going to another place. And after three days, they were at this place, they went to this other place. But here we just, this ambiguous six days. So let's hold on to that question for a second. We're going to use that. We'll just put it here on this imaginary shelf. And then the verse says in, in verse he transfigured before them, right? So in verse 2, the story goes from Jesus walking up a mountain to like some sci-fi Steven Spielberg account of something crazy happening where Jesus turns into a light. You'd think from the other passages we learned, and Jesus went up the mountain with three of his disciples, and they prayed. They prayed hard. And then he taught them some things. And they were hard teachings, but they got it. And then they came down and changed the world. That's the normal thing. This is Jesus went up a mountain with three of his, three of his disciples and turned into a star. That's different. That's different. So let's check out what that's about today. The word in Greek, this transfigured word, is derived from our word metamorphos. And I don't use that word much either, right? But there is an animal I think of. What animal do you think of when you think of metamorphos? The caterpillar. The slug that becomes a bird. Like, that's cool, right? When I'm on planet Earth, you know, planet Earth 2 is out now. 
when the caterpillar comes on, I'm like, let's rewind that. That's awesome. You got this, this thing that crawls around and eats leaves its whole, like most of its life, and then it takes a nap and turns into a bird. Well, it's a butterfly, but you know what I mean. Jesus, this metamorphous idea is what the transfiguration is about. They don't get a, they don't get a slight glimpse of some glowing hands or something, but Jesus transfigured. He became something different before their eyes. He became light, and as I shared, he shined. He didn't reflect light. He was light, like the sun, like a super sun, like a superstar. Jesus Christ became a super star. Amen. So number one today, we need to remember that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. The disciples knew that Jesus was anointed by God. They knew that Jesus was chosen to be the Messiah. They knew that he had powers over water molecules and wind and the demons. He had this authority. And when he taught, he blew people away. But now, he could ask, who do you say that I am? And I can hear the disciples say, you're a God. Or you're the God. We have seen you in your environment. We've only known you in this earthly space, but it's like you've brought heaven down to us. There's a passage in Philippians that says this, Philippians 2, 6. Though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant being born in likeness of a man. So Jesus was in heaven with God, but he has come down in the incarnation. Seeing somebody in their environment changes us some. So maybe in your mind, maybe you met somebody, maybe at church, right? Or you met somebody here at the school, or you met a neighbor. And maybe when you first met them, there was maybe some awkwardness about them. But then... You got to see them in their environment where they flourished. Do you guys know a situation like that in your life? When I went to Hungary, there was a, a student named Komos Mark. We're going to call him Mark. It's just easier to say. So Mark, when I met him, he'd just gone through a breakup. A couple of the other Hungarian um, staff were like, you should hang out with this student, Dave. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, I spent two hours talking to this guy. He speaks great English. I speak horrible Hungarian, so picture that, an English conversation. So we're talking, and, and believe it or not, the breakups in Hungary are identical for college students in America. So just picture that story, right? So two hours of that. And we start meeting and doing some discipleship together, and I, I find out that he studied in, his, in high school saxophone. I'm like, well, that's cool. I play guitar. And we started talking about it. He's like, I play a little guitar. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. So then we start having some band practices, and I ask Mark to come, and 
play a saxophone. And he's, he's sick. I don't play sax, but he played all the notes that you would want somebody to play. But then one time, he picked up the guitar. And I was like, what? Just to end the story, when Franklin Graham came to Budapest, Mark was leading worship for 6,000 Hungarians. And that's this kid that I'm just hanging out at McDonald's with, going, oh, dude, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Two years later, he's leading worship before Franklin Graham and his crusade as he goes through Europe. Mark, when he's with a band, when he's got a guitar, he was in his environment. And that's how I saw him, right? I saw him, and I knew him, and I respected him. We're so much more than we see each other in these small accounts. And that's one of the reasons why we encourage you guys to go to neighborhood groups, to have each other over for parties, to join a discipleship group, to come to serve days. Because we want you to see you in these situations where you, where you thrive. And maybe sitting in a chair and listening to me talk, that's not a very good picture right, of who people are. But when you get in each other's homes, you get each other's lives, there's this respect that comes like, man, you are a great dad. You are a great neighbor. You're great at Excel, Curtis. Like, there's just things when people get in their environment, it's like, how did you do that, right? So let's come back to something much more important than Excel, believe it or not, Curtis. Jesus Christ reveals his glory to the disciples. So if I flip it a little bit, earlier I talked about heaven coming down. What if we picture this this morning? Jesus Christ is saying, hey, some disciples, let's go up a mountain together. Let's bring earth up to heaven for a moment. And that's what he did. These three men, these three witnesses are going to see heaven. They're going to see Jesus Christ, who he really is. And what happens while they're there? Well, he's seen with Moses and Elijah. Now, if you don't know the Bible very much, I'm glad you're totally here. Because a lot of these people in the Bible get confusing. But Moses and Elijah, they're dead. They've been dead for hundreds of years. They're really dead. Like, like they, they, they could not have lived as long as the human beings of the Old Testament could have lived and still been alive. That's how dead they are. But what is Jesus doing? Well, he's talking to Moses, who's known for the law. Actually, in, hung, in Hungary, they call the first five books of the Old Testament Moses 1, Moses 2, Moses 3, Moses 4, Moses 5. So other countries recognize even with the way they name their books of the Bible. This is Moses' stuff. He's accounting God from creation to the law. And what about Elijah? Well, he was a central prophet. This connection between God and man in the Old Testament. So what are we talking about? Jesus, Moses, Elijah? Well, we have the gospel hanging out with the law and the prophets. And what's happening? It's normal. It's normal. The Old and New Testament connected is normal. This is what Jesus is revealing to these men. P. 
Peter, James, and John. You can't read the rest of the New Testament without running into Peter, James, and John over and over and over again. These men led the first churches. John wrote Revelation. These men have created the church. And what motivated them? They saw Jesus as a star. So point number two, if point number one was Jesus is God, point number two is we should listen to Jesus. Remember that six days thing? I'm going to grab it. It's really light. Six days, right? Six days. Listen to this, Exodus 24, 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. This is when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the law. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for how many days? Six. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So I propose to you today, in the same way that God gave Moses the law, this time, God audibly, he talks, and reminds these disciples that Jesus is his son that he's pleased with, and then he gives them a law. Not on tablets. Four words. Listen to my son. That's all God wanted to say. He's pleased with Jesus, his son. Guys, listen to him. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets because of who God is and because of who Jesus is we should listen to him so what happens next in the story well the disciples are flat on their faces terrified and what does Jesus do the shining star Jesus verse 7 but Jesus came and touched him saying rise and have no fear. Point number three this morning, we should rise up. Jesus says many things, but for these three men, and the task that these men are about to do through persecution, starting the church, what they need to hear right then, and what they need to continue to remember, rise and have no fear. God says, Disciples, listen to my son. Jesus' very next words, rise and have no fear. This is what the leaders of the early church needed to hear, and this is what we need to hear today. But why don't we rise up? Why don't we get up? Why don't we, when we get off the throne, and as I mentioned last week, we don't take up our cross. We maybe sit on a couch, just thankful that we have a Savior who died for us. Why don't we rise up? Well, from this example, I believe we're fearful. Right? We're fearful of what is to come. We're terrified that people might think we're doing the wrong thing. We have the wrong motives. So what do we do? Well, because of other people's perception of us, we do nothing. We just lay in our faces. As Christians, we don't rise up 
and take up our cross and follow Jesus because we have fear. We have the fear of man because we think that's the most important thing. But from God we know, listening to Jesus and knowing that we are children of God just as we sing this morning. We might sing that song every week for like a year, like that song. Like, we are children of God. That is what the disciples needed to hear. Rise up and have no fear. So the second reason we don't rise up, we're comfortable laying down. As we talked last week, there's a comfort level that we have to deny as we deny ourselves, one of the things that we deny ourselves as Christians, we deny ourselves comfort. Because if you read Acts and the start of the church, there was nothing comfortable about living people's faith out for Christ. You see, Peter thought he sees Jesus in his glory. He wants to build some tents. He's like, this is the vacation spot. I found some, some, I found some, uh, some land. I'm going to buy these plots, and this sounds like a good ending. Let's just stop here. But Jesus knew they were to go back down the mountain. It was time to go to the valley where comfort is lost, where fear is commonplace. But this is where the work needs to be done. Right? This is where the work needs to be done. Not on the mountain where everything seems perfect and mighty and heavenly. Because first, there is work that needs to be done. Souls need to be redeemed. Repentance needs to be preached in the valley. What do we learn? They're to tell this story. Now he gives them a time constraint. Don't tell this story until I rise again. But what does that mean? Tell the story. The story will bring fearlessness. That's my hope this morning, to be faithful to the text. I believe this is the message for all of us today. Jesus Christ, for a moment, was seen in his heavenly body in his heavenly way, talking to dead people, because that's what heaven's like. People have moved on, but they're not over. They're alive. This event is to bring hope and peace for you, satisfaction for you, and knowing that other human beings like you and like me got to walk up some really tall steps, and to see Jesus in heaven in a way. This is our story today. May it be for generations to come. And here's my questions today. Will you take this truth of believing that Jesus is God? This event did happen. This story is being told. That life is not over at death. But for those that have become children of God, received Jesus as Savior and Lord, live forever with Jesus, Moses, Elijah, and millions of others who have been called into the kingdom.
So my questions today. Number one, when do you stop and listen? This was God's command. Listen to my son. Is it for the 30 seconds of confession time on Sunday mornings? Is that the only time that you intentionally stop with the purpose of listening for God? Or do you have some places in your life where you choose intentionally to shut things down and just maybe close your eyes and say, God, I'm stopping and listening and just seeing what happens. Please do that. Please do that. Number two, are there healthy spiritual inputs in your life like Bible reading or worship music or podcasts or healthy godly discussions with brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you processing some of these thoughts with others? This church is about loving God and our neighbors together. Listen to God, but then bounce things off of other people. Bounce things off of the scriptures. Thirdly, are you rising up and obeying what you're hearing from God, or are you fearful? And if you're fearful, join the club. The disciples started this movement of the Christian church fighting fear, but they did it, and God used their hope, used the persecution, the joy after the suffering to create this kind of environment where we can love God and love our neighbors together. As we close today, I'm just going to stop talking before we even have communion begin. This is called forced listening. Let's listen. Jesus, as we pause right now, may we listen to your spirit May we listen to directions. May we listen to things that you're telling us to rise up and do for your glory. Speak to us, Jesus. We're listening.